Welcome to the Reunion Church Podcast. We're a community following Jesus, seeking the good of our city. We hope today's teaching is both challenging and encouraging. If we could be a resource to you on your spiritual journey, don't hesitate to reach out via our website at reunionnyc.com. In today's teaching text, I will go ahead and read, and it comes from Ephesians 4, 1 through 6. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the hope, one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through and in all. Thank you guys so much. Sorry, I'm going to... Well, good morning. Welcome. How are we doing this morning? We're awake. We're alive. We're singing. That's great. Um, fall has been flying by, and um, our Emotionally Healthy series has been um, going so fast. We're actually wrapping that up uh, today. And so in just a second, we're going to have a wonderful panel. Maybe I'll just slide right here. We're going to have a wonderful panel um, come up so that we can ask them questions um, about uh, the emotionally healthy journey. But what I want to do um, before that is a short recap of where we've been um, through this emotionally healthy journey. And then one challenge through that passage that I want to do is to help us zoom out not to just look at um, our emotional and spiritual health as a sort of individualistic endeavor, but what does that begin to look like for us as a church, as a community, and, and what kind of fruit does that bear for us? So let's pray, and then uh, we'll look at this quickly here, and then we'll get to our panel. And so, Lord, I'm so grateful um, to be in this place, to be reminded of who you are, to be called um, into the life of your Son, I pray that when we leave here today that we might look more like your son Jesus, that the, the process of becoming more like him, this word sanctification, that that would actually be um, something that happens today. Um, God, if there's something that you want to speak to us today, Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. And I pray, God, that we would have ears to hear. If there are moments of, of pressure points or something hurts a little or it's a little too close to home, God, I pray that your presence would abound in this place. Um, that we would be a church that's um, emotionally whole, um, spiritually seeking after you and on a journey to follow you. And so help that overflow um, out of our lives and into the lives of um, our friends and our community groups, the people sitting next to us this morning. Um, by your grace, be in this place, Lord. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So I remember being um, uh, visiting a friend in 2017 in California. Um, he, um, for all intents and purposes, had this like amazing, thriving church. Like the Instagram of his church was like peak. It was perfect looking. Everything looked amazing. And so he and I were friends in high school, um, and we went to college together. And I was um, at that time we were dreaming about starting a church, starting this church. And I thought I have to go learn from someone. And so I go out to California, and I sit and have lunch with him, and I'm just like, how are you? Like, how are things going? Like, I'm ready to, like, soak up all this knowledge from him. And he's like, I'm doing all right, you know? I'm like, oh, what, 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 what happened? 
And over the next few hours, I just appreciated his vulnerability in how hard his life was. Four kids, new church, and um, like I said, it looked, everything looked great. And he said, this last year has been really, really hard on me, and I am tired. And so I just listened to him for a while, and it was really good, honestly good for me in that season of exploring starting a church and the pressures that, um, you know, that comes along with starting anything. And I sat with him, um, listened, and then we went back to his office, and he got a smile on his face. And he says, have you heard of emotionally healthy spirituality? And I was like, no, what is that? And he's like, you must read this. And he's like, I'm buying it for you right now. He's, we shipped it to my house. And he says, you're going to need this. And I'm like, now I look back. I should have been like maybe a little offended, you know, maybe. Um, but I'm so grateful that in 2017, uh, my friend um, bought me that book because it helped me go on a journey of seeking out emotional and spiritual health and the congruence. So here, here's where we've been um, over the last eight weeks. We took these week by week, um, that first week, the problem of emotionally unhealthy spirituality. And um, the first week, we really dissected some of the difficulties in bringing together the congruence of our emotional life and our spiritual life right? Like some of us are like, I follow Jesus. Um, like that, that part of me is the most important part of me. And then what begins to surface? Shame, secrets, lies, betrayal, relational breakdown, right? So how do we bring those things into congruence? The next week, knowing yourself that you may know God. The thing we talked about that week was the difference between the false self and the true self, right? The false self is seeking an identity by um, what we do, what we have, or what other people think of us, right? But the true self is who we currently are and who we're becoming in Christ. Uh, week three, going back in order to go forward. Um, I, I was reflecting on this last week. Uh, Brandon um, taught so vulnerably that day, actually looking back into his own life some, sharing how that was influential to who he is um, today. Week four, journeying through the, the wall. We talked about how in our lives we don't want conflict, right? I, don't want, I want a conflict-free life. I don't want any tensions or trials in my life. But actually, those are the things that actually mature us if gone through um, prayerfully and steadfastly. Um, enlarging your soul through uh, grief and loss. Emily taught that week and um, talked about how God can actually meet us in the moments of despair and walk with us through that season. Um, the, the rhythm of rest and renewal, we talked about the Sabbath, uh, a sustainable life rhythm, and the relentless pace in which we live life here in the city, an invitation to slow down, to look practically at our schedules, and to say no to things. Uh, week seven, why growing up is hard. We talked about conflict resolution skills and what it means to be uh, a peacemaker, and we walked through a couple like very practical and tangible skills on how to do conflict well. And then last week, we talked about developing a rule of life. A uh, rule of life is like a trellis, right? It's a support system so a vine can actually grow up practices and disciplines that aid us in our following of Jesus. And so that's where we've been. If you've missed some weeks or you want to catch up, you can go back to our YouTube or um, we actually have a podcast through both Apple and Spotify. These are resources for you to, to grow spiritually. We don't just do this because it's like fun, um, but we actually want to um, uh, have uh, templates, ways of actually uh, going through conflict, of learning to Sabbath well and have a sustainable right, life rhythm. And so we spend time on this, though. The heartbeat underneath all of that is because that as a community, we want to worship God, that we actually want to become fuller people, knowing who God is and how he wants us to live. In the gospel, some religious leaders come to Jesus and they say to Jesus, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? 
And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so as I reflect, the hope is that this would actually be the way in which we can love God more, right? With more honesty and more vulnerability, with more authenticity, with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And then what happens? It bubbles up in us and it flows out into our, our neighbor. And so like I, I was texting some people in our community this week and I was like, hey, just react to like our, our EHS for the fall, like the, our emotionally healthy spirituality, just react to it. One person said, I'm overcommitted and I'm constantly hurried and busy. And in the book, they gave the idea of overwork as a form of contemporary violence and it stuck out to me. I made a note that one hour a day, one day a month, and one week a year, I should turn off my phone, and I'm starting to try it out this week. It's awesome. Another person said, as a man, I was taught to be ashamed of my emotions, but viewing them now as part of me that is modeled after God gave me a new outlook. Now I see that being attentive to how I'm feeling opens the space to actually connect with God. Uh, Another person said to me, this has helped me realize that all of life is spiritual and that the line between spiritual and non-spiritual is slowly becoming thin. It showed me that faith can and should be more than just a lifestyle, instead simply life. And then last one, since the week on going back to go forward, I've been thinking about my family of origin and both the health and unhealth of my family. I'm now in the process of wrestling with all that that means. And for me personally, um, sort of the repeated phrase that I've just kind of been trying to live into, I think it was actually um, within one of the readings, uh, the repeated phrase is simply this, who I am matters more than what I do or what I accomplish. Who I am matters more more than what I do or what I accomplish. And so what that's looked like for me over the past eight weeks is um, 5 p.m., I shut it down and I go home because then I can give the best energy to my kids and my wife. And if I have to pick it back up at 8, 8, 8 p.m., like that, that may be the reality. But if I actually believe who I am matters more than what I do, then I can actually give the best to my kids. And so it's a very practical way of thinking about how we um, live a um, spiritual life that honors God but also honors our humanity. So here's this passage, Ephesians 4. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And listen to these attributes here. With humility, I can pick up one of these uh, mics here. I'll give it a second. Um, With humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, there's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and in all. So you can walk away from this this series and you can say, I'm able to name and recognize my own feelings, right? You can walk away from here and say, I'm I'm aware of how uh, my past impacts my present. Um, I'm, I'm slowing down to be present with God. I'm understanding my spiritual life as a journey. You can walk away from here and say, um, and be a better person, maybe, right? That, that could actually be a benefit from this series. But if we think a little bit broader, what does this mean for us as a church, right? Like, we're so prone to sitting in the room and just like, okay, this is just about me. How can I be a better person? How can I be more rested? Um, how can I go to work? How can I be more whole? But let's zoom out. Think about your building. 
Think about the person you're sitting next to right now. What, what happens when you are a fuller and more emotionally whole person, right? What happens when collectively we're more humble and gentle and patient and bearing with one another in love? And the word that keeps coming to mind for me um, is healing. I'm going to unplug this. So let's not get distracted here. I, th- I think this is really, really important. If this is true for me individually, and it, it sort of blossoms out of us, what does that mean for our church as a whole? What if our church, what if when people talked about reunion, they, could, they would just say, I, I don't know if I, I'm, I agree with everything, I don't know if I believe in everything, but that is a place where I can find healing, right? Like, I was broken, and I became whole, or more whole, right? Like, we, we've been talking about how it's a journey. It's not just like one, one thing fix all. And so I think for us as a church, um, this, is a, this is a beautiful direction that I think this emotionally healthy spirituality has sent us in. How are we going to be a healing community? And it happens when we do take these things uh, individually. And what happens then, I was thinking about this question, what is the fruit of our unity? And the fruit of our unity is healthier marriages, The fruit of our unity is actually showing up on Sunday rested and present so that we can actually give our best to God and give our best to each other. When we're actually honoring our limitations and we actually hold the ability to say no, guess what happens? When you show up rested to your community group, you have something to give to your neighbor. Your ear is open to listening to the tensions and trials that they're going through. And I love this. I was talking to Brandon about this this morning. And Brandon said, I think the fruit of unity is movement movement, right? It's not just like, um, you know, we, we walk into community group and we have those things to give, but it actually multiplies our care for our community. And so this has been really my hope, is that the fruit of our unity would actually say, yes, we take that individually, and I want to be becoming a, a, a more um, whole person, right? That would be true as we're being transformed into the image of Jesus, but the fruit of that would actually go to our neighbor, and that would be the thing that really deeply resonates with us and that we care about. And so what I want to do now is I want to invite our panel up. I don't want to say much more. I want to ask them. I have a handful of questions that um, we have for them. And so if you guys want to come up, uh, that would be great. We're going to get them all set up. Um, we have Rachel Wabadunkley, um, Christine Thomas, and Cohen Thornton um, coming up. And I'll actually have them introduce themselves. But when they come up, why don't you give them a round of applause? Thank you guys so much. Um, well, friends, um, why don't we start on the end, and if you wouldn't mind um, introducing yourselves um, a little bit about um, who you are, what you do, why we invited you here to this place. Um, Rachel, why don't you go ahead? Absolutely. Hi, everybody. Um, my name is Rachel Wabadunkley. Um, I live in the Lower East Side with my husband, Brandon, that you all hopefully know. Um, and we have our four plant babies, which is a huge accomplishment. Um, thank, thank you. I am a previous psychotherapist turned holistic life coach 
and I work with women, specifically women of color, on helping them overcome barriers between where they are now and where they want to be, um, and helping them to show up authentically in their lives without fear and without judgment. Um, I also listen to a lot of Afrobeats, I sip a lot of boba, and I hug a lot of puppies. <laughs> Does that suffice, Russell? This is, that is perfect. Thank okay, cool. you so much. I feel like we know exactly who you are. <laughs> awesome. Um, my name is Cohen Thornton. I am not as cool as Rachel. Um, <laughs> you are so cool. So um, cool. I work for Redeemer Counseling Services. I live on the Upper West Side with Caitlin. Shout out to my wife. Um, and... Uh, gosh, I, I forgot like what I do for fun. I play a lot of softball. I like to play chess. Um, I have aquariums at home. Those are like my hobbies. <laughs> and actually, this is so cool, but Cohen and I met in Kansas City probably like 10 years ago. He was a barista. Was it 10 years ago? Probably. You were, I like how you have a mic where you're like, no, I'm not even going to try. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Cohen was a barista at this really cool coffee shop, and then through like long stories and relationships um, now uh, you're here and so we're grateful and you and your wife go to Church of the City um, which meets on the Upper West Side? Uh, yeah, yeah, awesome. currently Upper West Side and then the like, Columbus Circle area. Awesome, thanks Colin. Hi, I'm Christine. Um, I've been going to Reunion for about a year now. I live in Brooklyn. Um, I'm a grad student at NYU. Um, I am studying documentary, film, and education. I'm a teacher, um, teaching youth documentary. Um, and my favorite hobby is li listening to people's stories. It's also my job, but uh, I love it. And yeah, I love people. That's my... <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys so much. And so what we wanted to do is really... Um, begin to ask these people some questions about what, um, and I want to start broader, and then we'll, if we have time, we'll get personal. But I want to start broader. What is, what is an emotionally healthy church looks like? What is that um, journey? So this is actually where we'll start. Here's our first question. Some of them are going to be on the screen here. Um, emotional health is often invalidated, dismissed, or even seen as sort of taboo in Christian, um, in church communities. How do you guys see that um, shifting or changing in 2022? Like, thinking post-pandemic, um, what's the sort of shift you think is taking place? Um, Cohen, you want to start? Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. I, oh, whoa. Um, I think just the shift that I've seen happening more recently is um, just more vulnerability happening. I think in the pandemic, we saw a lot of people kind of forced to sit with themselves and, and to notice their own emotional lives. And I think in the church setting, there, I mean, I don't want to stereotype pastors, but pastors are busy people. And I think the more that they sat with themselves, they started to notice even some of their own things coming out, not just in like their lives or their emotional journeys, but it's, it's one thing to be like, yeah, I struggle with anxiety, but then to relate that to their spirituality, I think is a, a connection that's been had in, in 2020 and, and post 2020 world. How much, is your, how much is your hourly rate? <laughs> For you, it, it maybe is less, but... Okay. <laughs> Look at that. Did you see this? I was working out a deal here. That's awesome. Sure. But, uh, building on that, I think um, we've just been seeing a lot of how our emotional health is just tied to us being humans, and it's just part of our human nature. And um, 
in that being and in that stillness that we had to experience during the pandemic. Like, like Cohen said, I think a lot of us saw that our emotional health was truly neglected in a lot of ways. Um, and I think we're realizing that to ignore our emotional health means to ignore us as humans and our relationships with each other and our relationships with God. It's a huge part of it all. Um, and I think in 2022, hopefully the shift that we are seeing is that it's prioritized just as much as our spiritual health or physical health. It becomes a, a core asset of us taking care of ourselves. Yeah, all of that is really good. I think the only other thing that comes to mind is that um, when I think of 2020, I think about how people, like you all said, were really forced to be real with themselves, right? I think if we're all thinking about what it was like to be alone in our apartments or alone in our rooms for some of us, right? If we have roommates, um, we had to be real with ourselves. We had to deal with the things that we never really wanted to deal with and we couldn't actually escape it. We had no outside world to escape to. And so what that did was it forced us to see the rapport building and the reality in the other people that we're with. And so something that I'm seeing a lot of is people aren't really interested in the facade. They're not really interested in the outside. They're interested in the nitty gritty, in the inside, in the internal world of the people they're around. And now since we're in 2022, the world is opening up. People are like, oh, like that's cool that you do X, Y, Z and you have this professional title, but actually what are your hobbies? What keeps you awake at night, right? They're looking for that relatability and translating that to church and translating that to a relationship with God, right? God wants a real relationship with us and church is that community that facilitates that. So that's something um, that I'm seeing a lot more in church is more mental health friendly language. Um, something I appreciate about a lot of Russell's sermons is the examples of saying, hey, a therapist is really helpful. A therapist is somebody who's used by God, right? There's many instruments of help that God has given us in, in utilizing therapists, coaches, whatever type of support systems. So hearing a lot more mental health friendly language and normalizing that seeking support is okay and it's actually not what's what's the term Rachel it's not upsetting to God to seek support outside of church um, so that's one of the biggest things that I I've been seeing too that's great and I actually just want to pick up right there as a follow-up question like how and you're getting into some of the practicals which is so good like how do you think the church can be more proactive in caring um, you know for individ individuals mentally and emotionally and, and either of you can go Everyone is staring at me, so I guess that's a sign. Um, that's a sign to go. Sure. Um, I think something that the church is doing really well in, and we're seeing some progress, but we also obviously want to see more progress, is exhibiting that vulnerability and that transparency. So community groups, um, for me, have been so helpful in that way. Um, we're crying together. We're talking about things and realizing, oh, like you deal with the same thing too. And we're seeing that in a church community. We're seeing that in a community group with other believers, with other people who also read the Bible, who are also worshiping and are also still struggling. Um, a lot of the times we would bring our mask on to church and we're seeing people take that off. So I think that's one way. Um, and I think another way 
is encouraging people with very real questions. So somebody asked me recently, how was your week? And I was really tempted to be like, oh, it was good. And I was like, Rachel, actually your week was trash. Um, so let's not lie. That's like not a big fan. You know, God's not a big fan of lying. And also I'm providing a disservice to the person that I'm speaking to because they're asking because they care about me. Right? Why would, I, why would I take away an opportunity for somebody to care for me, to pray for me, to um, really provide support that could be really, really helpful? So seeing that um, honesty and vulnerability and answering questions honestly and asking maybe cliche questions, but in a non-cliche way. So how are you today? Right? How was your morning? Those things can be kind of cliche, but asking it with an intentionality. And I'm seeing a lot of that um, and I think that's something that we're continuing to do as a church. It's really awesome. And I'll stare at somebody else. <laughs> I, I, I love that. I, I think something even that, uh, as you were talking, this isn't in my script, so I hope this is cool. But um, so as you were talking, I, I remember this quote um, that someone else said, way smarter than me. But they were like, God can't transform the person you're pretending to be. And um, I think that in church settings, it's, I personally, I, I don't know how everyone else feels about this, but personally, I felt like I was maybe even encouraged to pretend to be someone at church um, because the, the reception of when I was honest was so negative or all of a sudden, like the whole CG took like an hour and a half to dissect my problem, right? And it's like, whoa, like that's not what I, <laughs> I didn't need this to be a problem solving session. And I think I've noticed you know, the mark of a good church is to be able to hold people's stories and to walk with them through that story, not solving problems, not fixing things, but um, just walking with them through that and encouraging that vulnerability and honesty. Um, so, yeah. So that was very well covered. Um, I think the only thing I have to add maybe is just creating these spaces where people can be authentic and vulnerable, I think is really essential because a lot of times people can feel like a burden or like sharing is uh, too much for others. And so when you create this space where everyone is able to feel open to do that, like community groups or like time and prayer after church where people um, are encouraged to share and, and be real, I think that kind of... Uh, uh, just like tra uh, transitions us into being more emotionally vulnerable in general as a church. And, and actually this leads us into our next question, which is what, what do you see as some of the indicators of an emotionally healthy church? Like what are, what are some of the signs that we could say, yeah, like we're actually um, journeying, and I love that, like we're, we're actually journeying into that. It's not like we've arrived at it. So what do you guys see as some of the indicators of that? I think Cohen was talking about this a little bit, but just having space for those emotions that we often associate as negative. Um, in our community groups, we're working a lot of times out of the, the feelings wheel, and um, I think the reaction that the majority of the wheel are these bad emotions, bad, like bad, ang literally bad, um, anger, uh, sadness, fear, like these we associate with being so negative when a lot of times they have um, potential to really indicate how we're doing in a moment, and they really bring us together as people. And so uh, allowing space to be real with each other in that way and to uh, just feel those quote-unquote negative emotions and see them as not negative but as an indicator of where we are 
at. Um, and also, I think uh, the chapter that where we talked about conflict, I think healthy, a healthy church allows for healthy conflict to take place. Let's, allows there to be differences of opinion, allows there to be disagreements and uh, challenges to the way things are. And I think that's an indicator that people feel comfortable with uh, being authentic in those spaces and, and expressing how they feel truly. Yeah, I was gonna say too, um, I think like just the safety that when I share something important to me or um, when I share something that's vulnerable, that I know that this information's not gonna be like the center of the next like prayer meeting or the center of like, uh, you know, this community space, right? That you're not gonna stand up on the stage and be like, hey, Cohen, I remember that thing that you shared in <laughs> private yesterday, right? And yeah. I think, and that's it's like sounds funny, but that happens, yeah. you know, and I think that um, yeah, being clear about where information's going and, and like uh, making sure that people feel safe as they share. I think that that's a big component too. Yeah, that's really good. We, we need to put this language back into our community groups, but a lot of time, like there's some like, you know, prefaces, like we have the Vegas rule, you know, like what, what happens here stays here. And I, I think those are really important to clarify. Is the group open, closed? Is it, you know, is there going to be new people coming in every week or is it not? Is it, you know, is it an environment that's actually, this is who it's going to be for the next 10 weeks or whatever? Yeah. And just a quick caveat too, right? There's moments when information needs to be shared, right? Yes. Especially if there's something dire happening. But, um, but yeah, I think that that's just a caveat. I that Redeemer put. counseling hat just came on. <laughs> I, I No, it's good. I appreciate it. Rachel, did you want to? Yeah, um, I love the psychological safety aspects. Um, as Christians, we call it grace. <laughs> In the psychology world, it's called psychological safety. That idea of healthy conflict can exist here. We can holistically and transparently and genuinely exist together. Um, and if there's a conflict, we can work it out. And if we're having a really vulnerable crying moment, we can have that too. Um, and I think in addition to that, what it brings is this, is this like, this like exhale. So when I come to church, um, I'm a sucker. I love like the bricks and the, the calm vibe that we have here. And so the, always the first thing I do when I come to church is I'm like, I'm able to just exhale. And I think that's another indicator of, oh, we're onto something. Because I'm able to exhale the outside subway, rain, whatever is happening, and I'm able to process that out and fully make myself available to be in this space, to commune with the Lord and the Holy Spirit and to commune with my friends here. Um, and so I think that's an, another marker as well that we do have here. That's great. Um, moving on, I, I appreciate, um, Rachel, that you were talking about how you primarily work with w women of color, and one of the things that's really um, beneficial to me for EHS is understanding uh, various cultural come-froms. And I, Pete shares very vulnerably in the book about, you know, being, coming from like a very Italian family and what that looks like. And so I want to ask you particularly, if the church is full of people from various cultural come-froms, that's, you know, being family of origin that's diverse, but also diverse cultural backgrounds, how do you think that we honor each other's um, diversity while still seeking unity? Ah, diversity. It's a fun one. Um, so I think 
two important things to keep in mind. One is actually understanding what diversity is, right? Diversity is similar to unity, but it doesn't mean we're ignoring the differences. It, it means that we are excited and we're explorative about the differences, and your differences are welcome here, right? That's what diversity is, and that's what healthy type of, type of unity is. Um, and we also, I love diversity because it's one of the ways that we can really see God's goodness because he is so good that he was like, I'm going to create so many different cultures, races, um, ideas, life experiences, and all of them are still going to glorify me. Like that is so dope, right? Like you can make so many different things and they all exemplify how awesome he is. And so I think with that mindset um, of how we approach each other with that level of curiosity and that level um, compassionate curiosity is a term that I use for my vows. Uh, it would very helpful for marriage and also for life. Um, so compassionately being curious about other people. And if you don't understand something, you know, asking a question about it, um, doing some research on your own and knowing that concept of psychological safety that you two were just speaking about, this is a safe space to make mistakes, and this is a safe space to learn, and how amazing it is that we're all on this journey together. So knowing that we're in this together is a helpful, it, it's something that's helpful so that you know that we're all on the same track, and we're all not having an expectation that we're all going to fail, but we have an expectation that we know it might be bumpy here and there, but we're dedicated and we're promising to being with each other. So community groups are really helpful for that, right? Volunteering groups are really helpful for things like that. So diversity is hard. We can acknowledge that. Let's acknowledge that truth and acknowledge that we're all on that journey together um, and acknowledging how we can move forward together in that way. That's great. Thank you. Um, for the sake of time, we have a handful of questions left, but I'm going to just target them at each of you. Is that okay? Um, and, and of course, afterwards, if you guys wouldn't mind hanging around, I'm sure there's going to be more questions. And please, you know, pick their brains on some of these things. Um, at the women's retreat, um, Christine had a teaching around the Sabbath. And a handful of people came to me and said, like, Christine's teaching was amazing. Um, I'd love to, like, have all your notes uh, so I can use them at some point. Um, but also, like, many of us in the room, like, live at a frenetic pace, right? Like, we're doing so many different things. What advice do you have um, for people in the room that are actually seeking a more sustainable life for them. And I know like we're like talking about diversity and Sabbath and like we're all over the place, but I think that you can help us in this area. So what, do you, what is some of the things that you might say to someone? Yeah, it's, it's super funny because I think this is like one of the most chaotic, busy seasons of my life. And so it's been a real lesson that I've been learning, especially when I was teaching. And I think so much of what I was teaching, I was kind of in, embedding into myself and reassuring myself with. Um, but I think uh, a big thing that allowed me to kind of view Sabbath differently and, and implement it as a rhythm in my life was just re-understanding Sabbath. I think Sabbath can be kind of this concept that we're detached from and we know is a commandment, but I think um, understanding it as this moment of real rest and just even um, the songs this morning just re-reminded me of that, that it's a rest that is different from the way the world views rest. It's like a real rest that can only be received from God and understanding that setting that time apart allows God to grant us that type of deep rest. Um, and it, it's also kind of a proclamation of our lives um, and that we are setting our lives apart from God in a rhythm that's different than the rest of the world. I think um, 
by setting this time aside, this 24 hours or this you know segmented period apart, um, we're just saying that we trust God as our provider and we have faith that he will um, you know, give us what we need in this time that we set apart and that we're not going to kind of adhere to the rhythm and the, the fast-pacedness and the overwhelming um, nature of, of what it looks like to live in this world. And um, it, it is this kind of uh, declaration that we are his and our lives are his and, and saying that. Um, and then lastly, I think just really seeing Sabbath as a blessing as well as a command and, and seeing it as this uh, moment to, to really um, have an inv- take an invitation to be present and delight in life again. I think it's really easy to kind of lose our, our joy in living sometimes because we get so caught in the living and yeah. doing the things that we're supposed to do that we forget to just enjoy just like these, these peaceful um, beautiful moments of life that God has granted us. And I think um, this time that we get to recenter and be restored, um, we get to have these kind of moments of heaven on earth, you know, mm-hmm. these, and it's, it's, uh, it's, you find like a new joy in that. And that's, and that's what God has always wanted for us in our relationship with him is for us to experience heaven on earth as close as we can. And um, yeah, it's only in that time where we are intentionally being present with God that we are kind of brought to our true selves. And, uh, you know, the example that kind of I was talking through um, at retreat was um, when Moses was convening with God. And when he comes down from the mountain, you see that his face is reflecting that radiance of being in God's present and presence. And, um, you know, through taking this time of Sabbath and making it a rhythm in our life, we hope that that is what happens to us, that when we go out into the world, we reflect this radiance of just being um, and, and dwelling with God and abiding in him and, and by this time with God that the others are able to truly see God through us. And that's kind of with the rhythm of Sabbath, um, it allows us to kind of be those people. That's great. Thank you so much. All right. So I'll just leave this last question um, for, for you two, Cohen and Rachel. What is the most important thing? Think personally here. What is the most in, uh, impactful thing you've learned or a tool you've gained in considering your own, nurturing your own emotional and spiritual health? Uh, yeah, I think uh, I read this question. It was like really interesting, um, even thinking about like what's the most important thing. Um, but I think I know for me, the biggest thing was reframing. I, I I mean, you use the term like bad emotions on the emotional wheel. These are bad. And um, I think when I started to change and reframe, um, my emotions aren't good and bad, um, and my emotions aren't indictments against myself, right? My emotions are invitations from God um, to better know myself and, and how he created me, but then also to better know him and, and the nature, um, yeah, and his nature in the, in the world. And so, um, yeah, like, I'm really angry about something, and I start to stop and ask myself this question, like, what does this anger say about me? And what does this anger say about how God might feel about this situation? Or, um, or if I'm really sad or, or feeling really hopeless, like you're starting to question those things in terms of like, what does this show me about God's character and nature? And, or what does this show me about myself and, and maybe how much I'm trusting or not trusting God in his nature? That's really good. That was awesome. Um, I was just reflecting on that. Um, another tool that has really like changed my life, honestly. And I don't mean that dramatically, <laughs> like low key, <laughs> high key, wrecked my life. Um, is 
ex like having the courage to be honest with myself and accepting the truth of a situation and deciding if I want to unlearn that habit or if I want to keep that habit and like how that's gonna look. So that was a lot of like psychotherapy stuff. Let's be practical. So for example, um, in the book, it talks a lot about family of origin stuff. Wrecked me all the way. And I was like, I'm not trying to deal with all of this. I'm not trying to do inner child healing. I'm just trying to like <laughs> live in New York City and just like, you know, have boba all the time. Um, <laughs> God was like, no. So I said, fine. So essentially what that turned into was this journey of like, Rachel, who are you? What are the personality traits that you have? Um, where did it come from? What do you like and what do you not like? Oh, I actually don't like this thing. Okay, can I unlearn that? And then having the, having the power and the courage, but more so the humility to pray to God um, and ask for him to say, hey, like, I'm so sorry that this is a bad habit or this is, um, let me reframe, not bad habit, an unhealthy habit that is no longer serving me in, in a healthy way. Um, I learned it from my family of origin. Forgive me, forgive them, forgive us all, you know, and help me to figure out how to move forward in a way that is pleasing to you and is healthy to you um, in a way where I don't have to engage in that habit anymore. But that takes a lot of vulnerability and it takes a lot of honesty to say, hey, I'm going to sit with myself. I'm going to try to understand where I got this from. I'm going to try to understand it, period. I'm going to acknowledge its existence. And then I'm going to do something about it. And I'm going to invite God into it, right? That's terrifying. The creator of the universe, I'm inviting you into my garbage. Thank you. Um, and then also I'm going to invite my community group to help me because, like, please help me. I need support. Um, that takes a lot of courage to do all of that, but those are all of the factors, um, to be really cheesy, it's called like a supportive toolkit, those are all of the factors of your supportive toolkit to help you move forward in a way that is healthy so that you are able um, to unlearn that thing or do that thing, whatever that looks like for you. So that's what wrecked my life. I hope that was helpful. <laughs> I hope it wrecks yours too. You guys are amazing and um Clearly, we because this is sort of a starting line for for many of us in the room. Is it, you know some of these concepts are like, I don't I don't that's hard. I don't know if I want to explore that. And so I think for for us as a community, uh, this is a great start, right? It's a great start for um, the ways in which I use that the, um, um, big Bible word like sanctification that we're growing into the likeness of Jesus. And this is an aspect of it, our emotional life. And so um, thank you guys. Next time we're going to carve out way more time because I like, want to have follow-up questions. Um, but please stay around after if you're able. And um, I want to put this uh, slide up about some resources. Um, on our website, if you go to the resources tab, you're going to find these three things. Mental health resources. And so there are uh, counseling services uh, that are listed there, Redeemer being one of them where Cohen is. Um, Heart Matters NYC is somewhere that I've gone personally. It's amazing. I know a handful of you uh, here are, are going there and seeking services. If you need premarital pre counseling, there's some resources on there. If you're a college student, there are resources on there for you. And then uh, there are, uh, there's another tab on there um, uh, that we put up this week that's book recommendations. Um, there are things that we've been studying, um, either our community group leaders or uh, for our teaching aspects. There are lists uh, for that as, as well there. And please do not hesitate to um, ask questions about what would be beneficial for a specific life stage. One of the most important things, um, Rachel, you were talking a little bit about just the diversity aspect. You know, another thing is if, if you're a, a mom of two kids, 
your, your rhythm of life just looks different than um, a single college person. And so um, please check those resources out for there. And then um, can we come alongside you? Can we be a community? Please fill out the connection card. We actually pray for those things. We actually respond to those. And so please text um, the word reunion to 97,000 and fill that out and we'll follow up with you. So um, uh, let's give them a round of applause before I pray. Thank you guys. Really grateful for you guys. So let's pray. And so, Father, our minds are um, really stewing uh, around a lot of different aspects of, of who we are and who we're created to be. And I just pray that this time um, would be sort of an aha moment for some of us, that it would be a catalytic moment where we're thinking about how can I grow in maturity? How can I um, have healthier friendships? How can I slow down to live a sustainable life pace in this city? And so, God, in the midst of that, by your grace, would you meet us there? Lord, we love you, and we're here to know um, more about who we are, who we've created to be, but also so that we can show up and give our best to you in worship. Lord, thank you for your son who modeled so well how um, to be human, um, to be fully human. We look at your son and to know what it's like to be perfect, and so uh, we rest in that um, today as we wrap our service up, God. Um, we're so grateful um, to gather and to learn more about ourselves and who you are. And so, God, would you meet us here by your grace? It's in your name we pray. Amen.